If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to I'm going to talk to. Uh, this is Senior Day, and I I was thinking as I was trying to prepare. Well, Lord, we're all seniors. Some of us are not seniors in high school. Some of us are seniors in life, and uh, and uh, early in life. Uh, uh, Fallon uh, listened to us as we talked about senior citizens, and she couldn't say that word co- uh, correctly, so she'd say, she'd say, Papa, are we going to senior sin-sins today? We used to take them to the senior citizens' place to eat, and uh, so we, we told her, yeah, that's where we're going. We're going to the senior sin-sins. We have uh, another special group uh, couple with us this morning, uh, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our oldest daughter, Denise, and her husband, Craig, are here today. So good to have you home, kids. Good to have you. We'll be journeying in the morning by with a four-wheel expedition headed to uh, Jacksonville, uh, North, North Carolina, where we'll be doing a wedding on the seashore uh, next Thursday afternoon. And if our plans coincide with God's plans, uh, We'll be back in time for Sherry to enjoy her class reunion on Saturday at the Rock. That's our plans. We're praying God's plans are, are the same, and we'll, we'll make that journey safely. If you have your Bible this morning, uh, I'm going to draw some thoughts today from uh, the book of Daniel. And I, wanna, I think there's something in this message for all of us. It, I tell you this quite often. I'm going to say it again this morning. If the message doesn't preach to me, you'll never hear it. But when the things that I study begin to leap into my spirit and they begin to grip my heart and I begin to see how far uh, I have journeyed and yet how much that I have yet to learn and receive, that message preaches. It ministers to me. And when it, when it charges my battery, I feel like it will charge others. So what a joy it is this morning as we draw some thoughts from the book of Daniel and I want to begin with some information about uh, Daniel's life. Different countries have different co- cultural norms. And what is appropriate in one culture may be offensive in another culture. For example, you should never touch another person's head in Thailand. The head is concerned sacred or, or considered sacred. In Portugal, you should never write anything in red ink. It's very offensive. Chewing gum is illegal in Singapore, and it can result in a large fine. In our message today, Daniel illustrates to us how to live when we leave home. How many can remember the day you left home? I can remember it very vividly. Dad had the the nerve to uh, uh, walk me to that 1955 Victoria Ford automobile, and Mom stood in the kitchen washing dishes with tears streaming down her eyes that she didn't want me to see. I remember that day very vividly. I was still 17 years of age with a job in Hobbs, New Mexico waiting on me, and that was 500 miles from home and 500 miles away from Sherry. It was a long trip as we left. Uh, While looking at this message, it focused especially for graduates today, and from high school, it applies to all of us. Anything, anytime anything changes in our life, whether it's a new job, a new house, a new school, a new stage of life, we face challenges of our faith. Daniel illustrates how to live when we leave what is familiar to us and encounter new situations, and we've all been there. Today, as we look 
at the thoughts that I feel that the Lord would have for us. We all know that life always, we always face life with challenges. Every day is a new challenge. The challenge we have is different from day to day, and yet many times it's very intriguing and very interesting because every day is a new day. And uh, as Daniel begins a new day uh, in his life, uh, it, it introduces us some, some things in Daniel's life that he faced. And, and to walk with God in a strange land is a challenge, and we find that Daniel is doing that. Daniel had been taken, he and his three friends were carried as captives into a new land, a land called Babylon. And our common, in our common terminology, that we would just say they were kidnapped and taken to a foreign land, and they were about to face the test of their life. These young men uh, had a life that they had enjoyed, a life at home, a life of comfort. They come from homes uh, as teenagers uh, that uh, probably the Bible history tells us they were probably in the age of 13 to 15 years of age. They'd known about God. They'd known about living a, a Christian life. And these young men had grown up, grown up around Jerusalem. They were constantly reminded about God and through His Word and worship at the temple instead of being surrounded by a culture that is supported by pagan practices and people. It was a new day in their life and a new day that they would realize that without God, it would not work. In verse 4 of, of the book of Daniel, it spells out some things that Daniel was to face. It was reprogram, reprogramming a lifestyle that he was not comfortable with. Daniel was enrolled in the Babylon State University on a full scholarship. He was in a new location. No one was watching him and his action. His parents wasn't there. His pastor wasn't there. The youth pastor wasn't there. Their opportunity for temptation was great. But Daniel remembered that God was there also. No matter where we're at in the journey of life, no matter whether we're in the presence of friends, family, or strangers, we as adults as well as young people must realize God is always there. The Babylonians gave them new names to fit their culture. Do you see the challenge that Daniel faced? How would you like your name to be changed as well as being faced with a, a type of religion that you had never encountered? He was thrust into a pagan culture in a strange land as, and was expected to conform. But Daniel was a teenager with convictions, and he had choices to make, even though many of his choices would not be acceptable where he had been transported as one that had been kidnapped. Daniel knew that even though he was walking in a strange land, he was walking with a God of the great I Am. And he never lost sight of who God was and who God is and who God will always be. And just because your circumstances change doesn't mean that God changes. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 6, I believe it is, in the book of Hebrews anyhow, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter where you're at, maybe you're at a new job this morning. Maybe you're facing a new hour in life. No, maybe as seniors, you're getting ready to walk out from under the, uh, the house where you've lived and you've gone to school and you've, you're leaving friends behind. 
the main thing that I want to point to you this morning, that God never changes. He'll be the same tomorrow as he was today. And even when life changes and when circumstances change, he's the God of the great I am. It's, thought number two I'd like to bring to you this morning is, is uh, the fight in all of our lives, no matter what age we may be, it's a battle to, to, to fight compromising. Compromising in today's world is very real to all of us. We see compromising inside the church door. We see compromising outside the church door. We see compromising around our world today. And what used to be is no longer. And the things that really used to be important don't seem to be relevant today. But listen, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ must always fight the temptation to compromise our conviction. Right is still right, and wrong is still wrong, and there are no gray areas. And everybody said, oh, come on, I have more than six here that's looking at me strange. It's all right to say amen, and if it hits, it's all right to say oh me. We're all just family. The verses in, in verse 5 through 8 tells us that the food and the wine at the king's was at the king's table, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. We're not sure why the food represented a compromise for Daniel. I'm sure it didn't come from Ted's. But it was clear Daniel wasn't going to take any chances. He wasn't going to draw. He drew a line in the sand. And as we encounter new situations, we must fight the temptation to compromise our conviction. And some of you will be going to schools where you will experience what once was wrong is now acceptable. One pastor called going to college and leaving home as a cultural brainwashing. You'll be challenged to abandon your beliefs to become something everybody else is. But don't give in and determine not to conform. Romans 12 and 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind that you, not somebody else, but that you can prove what is good and acceptable in the sight of God. God wants you to prove. You know what you do may not be something that I feel comfortable with doing. If God says it's wrong for me, it doesn't mean that it's wrong for you. However, I try to line up my thoughts and my processes, my habits with what God's Word has to say. He doesn't want me to be offensive. Notice, notice as Eric testified about you men in the, in the, in the congregation, you taught him how, how to shoot a rifle. You taught him how, how to be a, a marksman. You, you've, you've had a great place in his life, and, uh, and, and you've pointed him some areas in life that's been very beneficial. Listen, you're beneficial to everybody. And sometimes we just kind of, the enemy tries to hit us all with discouragement. Nobody really, really is looking your direction. Nobody's really counting on you. You know, really, nobody's really even noticed you when you come to church. Listen to me. I want people to know me better outside the pulpit than I do here. It's easy to love people that come to church here. It's easy to look in faces that support you financially, that take care of you, that love you, that brag on you. Uh, I, I told a gentleman a few days ago as he walked through the foyer of this building, and they, he's a great friend of mine. I've known Bernie Sanders for a long time, and he shook my hand, and he said, Pastor, you did it again. A great job. And I said, Bernie, you're just like my mother. She'd brag on me even if I did a rotten job. At the head of the casket, he chuckled. He said, yeah, that's not the Bernie I know. I'd tell you if you messed up. 
Listen, we can feel comfortable in expressing ourselves today. We can enjoy the comfort of serving Jesus today. We can enjoy coming to his house and worshiping in spirit and in truth. And we can come today, and if everybody else is dancing and shouting and jumping about, and we don't feel like it, nobody's going to condemn us if we're just looking on as spectators. Isn't that awesome? I just like to go where I don't have to measure up to somebody else's expectation. However, I do know that I'm in the presence of God. And this is how, there, is, there are many reasons how, why I know that I'm in the presence of God. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. Everywhere I go, I want to ha- go and have a good time. I want to laugh. I want to I be able to enjoy other people's laughter. I just want to have a good time. And when I, when I walk out, they'll either say, man, I'm glad he's gone, or man, I'm sure glad he came my way. You see, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And when I'm at peace with myself, I can go everywhere else and be at peace. Not because everybody's doing everything I want to do. Not because my standards are are like their standards. But listen to me. The Bible says this. Let a man examine himself. And that's the way I believe it. I believe you should allow God to speak to you in every walk of life, in your walks of life. I believe you could just realize one thing that I do know. We're all going to stand before the Lord one day, and we're going to have to give an account. You'll not be there for somebody else to blame. And, you know, I just want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. He'll either say, I, depart from me, I never knew you, or he'll say, I know you. Enter into the joys of the Lord. And you know what? Today, the greatest challenge in my life is I want to please God. And the Bible says, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And you know, in leadership, I realize this. What might be offensive to me might not be offensive to you. But I try to process my convictions like this. If what I'm doing would cause somebody else to stumble and fall, then I'm not a leader at all. And as leaders today, we, there's, a, there's, another, there's another area, there's a high calling on leadership today. We can't do things that everybody else does. And, 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 and seniors, I want to talk to you this morning. When you go to college Please remember, you're taking the Lord with you. Please remember, your church family is going to be praying for you. Please remember, when troubled times hit, you can always call Pastor Jared or myself 24-7, and we'll always have a word of encouragement, and we know how to pray, and we know how to release the presence of God, and realize and know one thing, we're just God's hand extended. That's all we are. But thank God, it's awesome to have confidence in one another, and above all, we have confidence in God. When it seems like the journey is challenging, when it seems like the issues that we're facing, we're not really sure about, and we're on uncharted territory, and the places we're going, the things we're facing doesn't have familiar faces. It's good to know that God is there, and where the presence of the Lord is, there's peace, and we can know we can walk in peace if the Lord is there, even though our understanding may not grip the truth that we're facing. Let me talk to you about another point, truth issues. We hear, what is truth? It's a sad day, and I want everybody to hear this this morning. It's a sad day in my life as an ordained minister to realize in our colleges and and, and the denomination that I'm credentialed with, the Assemblies of God, we we have teachers and we have educators that don't 
believe that God's Word is absolute or the, and they don't teach it. Listen, I am absolutely convinced. I don't care what professor says. There are no absolutes. I am surely convinced that God's Word is true. It's been proven. It's settled forever. Oh, Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. If it's settled in, in heaven, then it needs to be settled in our hearts. What is truth? This is what truth is. The truth is what God speaks to all of us, and he never, ever has spoken to me in an audible voice. But I certainly do know when he's speaking, and I know when he's there. And I know when he confirms what I'm doing, and I know when there's a check in my spirit about what I'm about to do. And the Bible said when Jesus spent 40 days after he'd been crucified on the cross, he had, he had proven that he was a true Savior, that's Places in his wrist where the spikes had been driven, the side where it, the sword had pierced his side, and the stripes on his back where he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. I know it's a true deal today. He did die on the cross for my sins. He did lay in a grave three days. He did rise again, and he says, because I live, you can live also. Friend, that's true. And then he spent 40 days. There was followers that followed Jesus. Thomas was one that followed him very closely. He heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, and he said, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I'll never, I'll never believe that he's risen from the dead still, unless I see the evidence. And Jesus said, Thomas, put your hand right here. I'm the one that did it for you. And there are times it is a real challenge for us to accept by faith things that we don't see. But listen to me. There's a real place called heaven, and there's a real place called hell. And heaven is as real as hell is today. And I am, uh, we as, as leaders in our church are doing everything within our power to encourage people simply by helping hands, simply by encouraging words, simply by praying and encouraging people. Get involved with Jesus Christ. He's the one that proved that he loved us. And the truth is, Jesus said, if I go away, I'm coming again. And the truth and the reality of Jesus' return is very imminent. He said, in the last days, there'll be wars, there'll be rumors of wars, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be famines, there'll be a type of lawlessness that, that will sweep the country. Have we ever seen lawlessness like we're seeing it in America today? No respect for, the, for our policemen, no respect at the schoolhouse for our school teachers, no respect for children with, many, with their parents. We see the, the spirit of lawlessness taking the world today. The Bible recorded 2,000 years ago that this would be exactly what we would see. And the prophecy that was revealed by prophets of old, uh, the, prophet is, the prophecy is coming to pass. And we're seeing it. In Bible, the Bible says God will confirm his word with signs following. And he always wants you to know he's not bashful. If he says something to you, he's able to confirm it. And God isn't embarrassed when we say, Lord, if that's really you, would you do this? Would you just confirm it by doing this? Did you know there were people in the, in the Bible that asked for a confirmation? One gentleman God spoke to, and he said, Lord, if, it's, if this is really you, would you send a heavy dew in the morning and, and let the ground be covered with dew so I'll know that's really you? And God did exactly that. I used this as an illustration probably a year ago. We, we all have questions, but that doesn't change the truth and the reality of truth. I used this as an illustration probably a year ago. We had gone to Ted's for lunch. There was three or four of us 
And we had sat down, and this awesome waitress had came to our table, and, and there was just something about her spirit that was speaking, and she was a cheerful person, and it was easy to enter into a conversation with her. And as she had, she had brought uh, uh, the beginning of the meal to us, she walked uh, several steps away from our table and turned and stood, was standing in the door. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give her that $100 bill that's folded up in the corner of your billfold. And I, and I was thinking about other places that I could invest that wisely. And, you know, I, I just feel a little more secure when there's one of those in my billfold knowing that I'm not broke. Because years I traveled broke. <laughs> and there was no credit cards. <laughs> and the, the bank I did business with didn't take hot checks. So it's just comfort. To, you know, just a little fold with a hundred on it. So you can every once in a while, you just kind of flip that billfold out and say, I ain't broke. Well, that day, uh, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give the $100 bill to that waitress. She was standing in the door. She could look at our table, but at that moment, she wasn't looking at the table. And, and the second or third time I heard in my spirit, I want you to give that $100 bill to that waitress. And in my spirit, I didn't say this out loud. In my spirit, I said, Lord, if that's really you speaking, <laughs> let her look at our table right now. And her eyes went, and I wanted to say, Lord, if that's really you. <laughs> no, no. And so uh, she came to our table to check on her drinks and the chips on our table. And, and I'd, already, I'd already said, Lord, I know that was you. I knew it was you when you first spoke. I just, I just needed that confirmation. And, and as she walked to the table, I said, ma'am, I've never met you, but the Lord wants you to know he's going to take care of you. And he, he asked me, or he spoke to me, and I'm going to give this to you. It's just a token of what God has sent your way. And she looked at that bill, and she seen that, and she said, oh, sir, tears streamed down her cheeks. She said, oh, sir, if you only knew what that meant to me. And, you know, I, when somebody's in tears, if you've got something, you can kind of kind of break the heaviness. I said, well, ma'am, are you up for adoption? She said, if you'll adopt my two kids, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, God just gives us things and blesses us with the things so that we can bless others. I own nothing today. I'm just a steward of what passes through. Boy, am I having a good time just seeing God take what I have. You know, that's all God did when Peter and John headed to the temple to pray on that day. And there was a beggar sitting by the gate that couldn't, uh, couldn't hold a job. He was lame from his mother's womb, the Bible says. And Peter and John, as they went to the, tomb, went to the temple that day to pray, they passed the beggar as they had days gone by. And he was there with his little tin can just hoping that somebody would give him something to buy a loaf of bread for that day. And Peter and John looked upon the man, and that day was a special day. I believe it was a day when they were listening for the Holy Spirit to speak, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them, and he said, we, I want you to do something as you go to prayer today. I want you to take your hand and, and lend it to this man who's been crippled from his mother's womb, and I'm going to give you words to say. Let me pause there and ask you, have you ever been somewhere and you didn't know what to say? Have you ever traveled down the highway like I have many times to 
a home where tragedy had, had, had knocked, or things had gone the wrong way, and little Susie or little Johnny was in jail, and it had just came your misfortune to come to one of your, one of your parishioners' homes to break the, uh, the bad news to them. And you've asked this question, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? And being in the ministry over 50 years, I've, known, I've just known this. I don't have to say this anymore. I just wonder it because God is always faithful. And when I'm lost for words, I'm never a loss for two arms that re- can reach around a hurting person and say these words, God loves you, and so do I. Listen, this is an opportunity. So, uh, Peter and John, as they had looked on this man that many probably had looked on him many days, they realized that they had nothing in the, in the material way to give. Because they told the man, I believe they were honest men because they were going to pray. Listen, you're wasting time if you won't be honest with God and be honest with yourself. And these guys were honest with this crippled man. And they said, silver and gold have we none. But we got something better that can fit in your can. We got something better than what you're expecting this morning. Such as we have, we're going to give it to you. And as they reached down to that lame man that had been lame from his mother's womb, and he took their hand, and immediately the Bible says strength came to his body. And he leaped from that crippled place where people had had to bring him each day to be a beggar. He began to leap and praise God. He followed him to the temple, and he began a day of prayer along with Peter and John. Listen to me today. God's not looking at what you've got. He wants you to look at what he's got, and then he wants you to share what he's got with those that don't have anything. And listen, you don't measure God by our bank account this morning. And to our teenagers, I, I can assure you one thing. It's not always about silver and gold, even though it takes money to pay bills. But there are times when money is not sufficient to meet our needs. There's times when it may not be the bank account. We may have a good bank account, but there's something in our heart that's trembling with fear and anxiety. And there's something that's honestly challenging us. And the truth is, Jesus is always there, and he wants to help you. He's a present help in time of need. When the burden is so heavy that it seems like you're unable to bear it, there's a scripture in the Bible, the truth that only truth can speak. And here's what he says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon me because I care for you. No matter what age you may be, there's nothing like the promises of God that can literally leap off of the pages of that word because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's not a history book. It's a roadmap to our, our lives. David said, I hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. And you may be here this morning and you say, well, I've hid it in my heart and I still sin. We all have. We all have. We have all failed. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do we do when we fail miserably? 
we get up, we, sh we shake the heaviness off, and we say, Father, forgive me of my shortcomings. Cleanse me. You've, you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Clean my spirit up. May my attitude be great, and I want to hide more of your word. I want every area of my life to be so full of your word that I'll have no place for compromise, and I'll always allow your word to be the truth and reality of our life. I have one more thought, and we're closing the message this morning. You can always triumph by staying with God's plan. God has created you. Jared quoted Jeremiah 29, 11 to our seniors today. He has plans for you. And when we give consensus for God to take control of our life, be the Lord of our life, and, and allow his word to be a lamp at our feet and a light to our pathway, listen, this world has no ability to change you. The Babylonians changed these young men's homes. They changed their names. They changed their edu education. But Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, could, they could not change their hearts. These young men had decided to follow God no matter what the cost. And if Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children who were friends of Daniel, can do that, so can you. They didn't give in to the voice of saying, it's okay, everybody else is doing it. I'll just keep my faith to myself. I'll live my faith when nobody else is around. After all, isn't faith my private matter? And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, it's not a private matter. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. And he'll direct your path. Listen, nobody has been to the crossroads any more than I have. No, I don't think anybody's been at the challenge. I love, I love being active in the world. I love to work in the oil field. I enjoyed every moment of it. I love to fly to my, my point of destination. I enjoyed it. But I can tell you something. I never enjoyed it more than I did with Jesus living inside. And even in the journey of life, when I was working in the world and have, having a paycheck that was coming in from, from a source that seemed to have an endless cash flow, I could still trust in the Lord with all of my heart. In times of challenge, when I, I walked on the drilling rig floor many times and I met guys that said, I want to talk to you. I know you're a preacher. Can I just unload on you? I went home yesterday evening from this job and my wife was gone. The furniture was gone. She even took the dog. And I don't know which direction she went. I'm broke and I'm discouraged. My heart's broken. Right on the drilling floor, God has given me the ability to just to hug that person, pray, and reach for the billfold and say, look, I don't have a lot, but this will buy you a meal for a few days. And if you'll just trust the Lord, he's going to be a comfort and a strength to you in the time of trouble. doesn't matter where you go. doesn't matter what your calling may be. God's there. And you know what? There's, there's just something that brings home a, a peace when you've expressed what Jesus has done for you and he'll do for others. You see, God has no grandchildren. The Bible says, except we be converted and become as little children, we'll have no part in his kingdom. And I believe with all my heart, the reason that the Bible recognizes you and me as children is, is this, or one of the great reasons is because kids make mistakes. And we've all made a few. And all the congregation said, amen, amen. Would you bow your head with me?
Father, I just thank you this morning. I just thank you, Lord, for the awesome seniors that call Elm Grove their home. I'm thankful for our youth pastor today and our associate pastor and his family that's having an awesome effect and changing our young people in this community. He's the real deal because he's learned to follow you, Lord. And there are many young people that have turned their life to Jesus in the short year and a half that he's been here because he's got a witness in his life along with his precious wife and children. Lord, I could never say thank you enough for the goodness of God, our entire church family today, and the joy we find in serving you. And Lord, today may your, your blessing just continue to flow today as we give all the praise to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.